Welcome to Elevate. I'm so happy you're here with me today and I cannot wait to share this episode with you. As an evidence-based coach, mentor, and entrepreneur, I'm obsessed with learning and personal development as it's transformed my entire life, as well as those I get to work with. And to be quite frank, it's literally the entire reason this podcast exists, to feel your growth, gain perspective, and acquire knowledge. So buckle up, friends. You're in for a treat. And as always, thank you for supporting me and the show so we can continue to elevate our own lives as well as those you share this with. Now, let's get into it. What is going on, guys? And welcome back to another episode of Elevate. I'm really, really excited to have our guest back, Miss Kenzie. But we have a surprise guest on this episode, the continued part two. And so we're going to backtrack a little bit because there's kind of a plot twist. So Kenzie, welcome, and please introduce our other guest and the purpose of him being here today. So this is Marshall. Um, we live in Layton, Utah. So yeah, and Marshall has been, me and Marshall have known each other for 17 years. Um, we live together now. Um, yeah, so he was actually, so I left it out on my other story because I was kind of trying to protect him but it's a little bit of a, a important part in it. <laughs> so in part one, um, I was talking about, I got introduced to someone that I trusted a lot um, that got me into meth and that person is Marshall. So <laughs> that's how your... I got into meth. Marshall's your trust, huh? <laughs> So tell me a little bit about Marshall, your perspective on Kenzie in that your interactions with her and how you, yes, you engaged in those things, but you also helped her kind of overcome some of her demons along the way. So I'd love to hear your perspective of that experience. Yeah, my perspective is <clears throat> when you're in the middle of it, you kind of think everybody else should be too. It's really, it's really kind of an interesting, even though you're burning your life to the ground and you know you are, you feel like everybody else should be doing the same. Um, so when I was in it and that's when I introduced her to it. Um, but then I actually got out of it and then, and, and seeked help and was on that spiritual journey for quite a while. And this was, uh, so when I introduced her to it, we were only together for a short bit. She went out, kept using. And during that time I, I had quit. Um, so then when she got in a real, real bad way, uh, I was there to kind of assist her and giving her an opportunity to get out of it. And she ended up taking that, thank God. But yeah, once you're out of it, you know that no one should be in it. But when you're in it, your brain does not function properly. And uh, it just feels like, you, well, misery loves company. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So no. you want every you want people around you to be part of it because if they're not part of it, then you won't have them around you because of the, the shame and the guilt of, of being in it. Mm. Um, you can't be around normal or sober people because of all the everything that you're carrying. So when you say, I mean, there's so much in there that I just now have curiosity on like your own spiritual journey. Like I, I think that that wording was intentional. And so when you had to kind of have your come to Jesus moment, 
What was that like for you? Well, I wouldn't say I've only had like one of them. Like I've been in and out of, yeah, you could say rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous in and out of rehabs. Um, I've had different experiences that have reached from profound to, to just a real calm peace. Um, I know with, without a doubt that it's a spiritual connection that, that keeps me sober. And as soon as I disconnect from what I believe that is, I will drink and I will use like, there's, mm -hmm. it's not if, but when I, 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 I do not like sobriety at all. If I'm not connected to something higher than myself. So I have, I've seeked a great deal on what, what that is to me. Mm. Um, I've read every book I could get my hands on from, you know, Eckhart Tolle, Wayne Dyer, uh, Neil Donald Walsh. I've, I've, I've gone to every church there is. I've, I've just seeked and seeked and seeked. I've never found it in a church. I will tell you that. Yeah. Um, but I have found it in a, a, a spiritual way of life called the course of miracles anyway. So anyways, it's just, it's just that, uh, finding something that fills that void, I guess you could say. Um, and I absolutely, I know what that feels like today. So like, I like to say, I don't think my way through my day. I feel my way through my day. Mm. So I know as soon as I feel something that uh, isn't, isn't a peace or happiness that uh, my thinking's gone weird or, or crazy. So as soon as I feel like shit, I better look at my thoughts because my thoughts have obviously gone to shit. Yeah. So <clears throat> that's how I live today. Um, but that wasn't something that just came automatically. That's something I've worked towards for years and years. So uh, any, anyone getting sober, seeking is the best thing you can do as far as seeking. Well, seek spirituality like you did your drug. You put in half as much work as you did trying to stay high and out of trouble, you'll find it without a doubt. I think that that's so, I mean, there's so many things like, I, I love your mind and I love the self-awareness that you have. And I think that most people are taught to chase the answer externally. And I think that if you can sit with yourself and like you said, examine your thoughts and be aware of where they're going and what's triggering them and what is fulfilling you and what is draining you, you can start to realize the things that you engage in to cope with certain thoughts or beliefs that you carry. And then if you're willing to sit with yourself and really reflect and have that pull to something bigger than you, it can help align you to being your best self and going down that journey of self-discovery and contributing to something and being connected to something significantly greater than yourself, which again, for me, like my past has nothing to do with addiction, but does have a lot to do with abuse. And so it's just being able to find worthiness and acceptance and fulfillment and who you are and contributing to something that is bigger. And I think that the way that you framed that was really, really good. And the level of awareness that you have around, if I feel disconnected from this, I will start to spiral. And so Kenzie, back to you, like getting 
over the addiction, getting into that space, like, are you now, or did you then at a point where it was pivotal for you find a sense of alignment with something greater than yourself to help you, to help propel you over that? Or what was the first thing that really got you to, to find the solution that you needed? So, um, like after we, after he got clean and I couldn't, um, I went into, like, I think we talked about, I went to a all women's rehab, um, and found that like spiritual high that he talks about, but that was pretty much the first time I had really experienced a spiritual high like that. And through another course that both of us had taken, um, found that spiritual high and I didn't maintain it. That was the biggest thing. Um, I started thinking that I could just kind of like not, not put forth the effort to have that in me. I thought it was just like something I was always going to have. So I went back down in to my addiction and that's where all the homelessness and everything like that came from. Um, I then had to move to Washington and that's where, so it wasn't so much for me and my getting sober and my actual recovery wasn't so much the spiritual side of it as it was, I was transplanted in a state where I had no one, nobody to help me, nobody to fall back on. Like no one was going to come and save me anymore. Mm -hmm. So if I went and fucked up, if I went and got arrested or anything like that, like I was screwed. No one was going to bail me out of jail. No one was going to protect me. Um, and I actually, while I was in Washington, I started drinking heavily because I went through a breakup. So I started drinking heavily, got my third DUI, went to jail. I'm still on parole for that. Um, almost did, I think it was like five to seven years in prison, but did something called a deferred prosecution, where if I have one um, violent offense or one uh, drug offense, they will throw me straight in prison. Um, so that's helped <laughs> quite a bit. Yeah. And it's given me that time between things to kind of like reset my brain. I haven't been perfect in the past five years, but I definitely haven't gotten to where I was before. Um, so I think that's really where everything came from. Like being in Washington, I was able to find who I was mm -hmm. and not rely on the drugs or anything like that. Um, I had to be with myself. And at that point I got into AA, I got a sponsor. Um, I started doing the steps. I didn't go to church. Like I don't connect with church either, but AA and the relationship with the people I had in AA helped tremendously on keeping me sober. Um, they always say like who you surround yourself with is who you're going to be. Mm -hmm. So prison scared me more than anything. Like I did not want to go to prison. I've been to jail, like prison was going to, I did not want to go to prison. So that's what kind of shifted my life into the direction that, that it is now. So, and I don't, I hate waking up 
despaired and depressed and anxious. Like that's the worst feeling. And so for me, it's like, okay, either I can drink and feel like shit in the morning and not want to do anything and have like three hours of fun, or I can just get through it, go to bed, wake up in the morning, and I'm probably not going to have the desire to drink or do drugs. So that's kind of where that came from was just like looking at the other side of it. Like I may feel like shit right now, but on the other side of it, I'm going to feel more like shit. Yeah. When I think about what causes people to take action, they're either running away from fear or running towards pleasure. Right. And so if you find something that is fulfilling to you that you want to continue to feel right, then you're going to chase that. Or if you're scared shitless to go to prison or something along those lines, right. You're going to be like, I can't do that. So as much as I would rather be high, I also know that I can't go there. And so you just have to choose the lesser of two evils for you. Um, but curious on the dynamic with Marshall. So you ended up getting clean before Kenzie. From that drug. Yes. (laughs) Okay. So we're going to have to get really specific here because it sounds like there's a lot of different things. Um, so you got clean first and then she was still using. So you guys have been in a relationship for a long time and you guys have gone through the ups and downs and kind of seen each other throughout those different phases. So what was that like? Like, how did you get to this point? What the initial experience obviously was like, you helped her get high the first time with that. And then you got clean. So what, what, what is the story between you two, um, since that period of your time in in life together? So he, he, we got high, um, and then he got clean. I went out and he was like, the second time I went back out, he was on this, like, he was the best he had ever been like ever. He was amazing, like sober for two years, like on the biggest spiritual high. And so when you have someone like me, who's like high on meth and heroin and anything else that they can put into their body. And then someone who's on this like spiritual high, he essentially wanted nothing to do with my energy. Cause I was so dark. Like yeah. I was in such a dark place. Yeah. Um, but at that point, like he kind of, he kind of knew that he did it. to me, <laughs> So he had to help me. <laughs> he like so, felt that guilt trip. Like, yeah. Damn. <laughs> So he took me in for a couple of days, um, into his house until I could get into the retreat house. Um, at that point, like I went out, like I said, got off of the spiritual high and went back out into drugs. And that's when I moved to Washington state to get away from everything. Um, at that point, I had, we hadn't really lost touch. Like Marshall stayed here. Like he was, you know, we weren't, we've always been really good friends, but he didn't come with me to Washington. Um, he stayed here and then he kind of got into drinking and things a little bit as well. So I'll let him tell about that part. (laughs) Well, like I said, if I lose that spiritual connection in any way, shape or form, I start to seek really that same feeling it's not necessarily i consider um either being drunk or high is 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 just a counterfeit 
to the, a true spiritual connection. So as soon as I'd let down my guard, as far as uh, meditation, praying, uh, going and doing what I know it takes to maintain that spiritual connection, mm -hmm. then I start seeking out a quicker, faster relief. Is it a true connection? No, it's absolute. It, it creates hell on earth is what it does. But um, so I started drinking again and isolating quite a bit and it, it would just get worse 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 and then i find myself on adderall and then you know moving towards meth again luckily i've been through this enough times that i, I could stop myself before i went way too deep mm. and once i'm started though there's no way of quitting like i cannot quit like i uh, i don't have the willpower i don't have I have to take an adult timeout is what I call it. Okay. So that means at least a 30 day in treatment type of treatment place to, to stop the chaos because my brain will not allow it to stop. So I did, I I've done a couple of those where I've allowed myself to get back into, and it, it, it's usually just, I'll just start drinking beer at night. And then it goes to harder alcohol and it goes to during the day and then it's first thing in the morning and all day long. Um, and then it goes to pills and then it goes to meth, whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. It's just, it's just, it gets to the same place in the end. And ultimately all I'm craving is that spiritual connection. And, and as soon as I can get myself separated from the drug or the, or the drink far enough to where then I start that seeking again of the spiritual connection, now that I know what that feels like, it's actually really, really easy to reconnect. But during the drinking and drugging, there is absolutely, I'm just bankrupt of any sort of spiritual connection whatsoever. I, in fact, I don't, I don't, I think I don't allow it because I feel so shameful or whatever. Like you're not worthy of it almost. I'm not worthy of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Not. So yeah, I've, I've actually got, when she did your last interview, I was drinking in the other room. Wow. So I would absolutely, I, I've got 31 days today. I just got out of a 30 day treatment yesterday. yesterday. <laughs> so don't listen to me. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Honestly, no. He's just done it a lot. <laughs> I, I've done it a lot. So me maintenance is critical. If I don't maintain, I absolutely know where I'm going without a doubt, period. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the last 30 days, I mean, I'd wake up, I'd do 15 minutes of, of meditation. I would do prayer. I would, I, would, I would write down what I want the day to look like or my desires, goals, gratitude. I do that every morning. I wake up at, at 5.30. I don't even have to leave to work till 7.30. So I literally spend two hours preparing just for the rest of the day and then i go to sleep with meditation and prayer every night now if i maintain that i don't worry about using or drinking in fact i don't want to because i know it's counterfeit i know it's bullshit compared to what i'm already feeling it's not going to make something better it's only going to block myself from what i'm already have created so yeah 31 days. 
one, I think that's incredible. No, that's incredible. And I appreciate you being so honest and sharing that. I think (laughs) there's so much in there that I think is really just the emphasis of what addiction looks like, because you're not saying I had no idea. And you're not saying that I didn't have the awareness that I needed to fix it. And you're not saying that I, I didn't even not have the strength to put myself into something but it's that if I didn't put myself into this container, I would still spiral on my own. Like if that doesn't speak to the habit loop and almost like automatic addiction to something, Mm -hmm. even if you're aware that it's not good for you, you don't have the power to stop it, right? Until you physically disrupt the pattern by being in a different environment. And so my curiosity, if you're comfortable sharing is, if indeed you can, notice the amount of time in which like, is it one meditation you skip? And then you're like, Oh no, is it a week of just making the excuse to stop doing it? Or are you someone that's like, I didn't do it for a day and now it's a habit to not do it. And over a long enough time horizon, that's when you get into trouble. Do you know the frequency in which keeps you on the right path and what really disrupts that pattern for you? It's really more of the last one you mentioned. Cause I'll like, Oh, I'm too tired tonight. Won't do it. And then, and then all of a sudden in the morning, I'm like, eh, I didn't do it last. I'll be okay. And then I go through the day and all the time, or, or all of a sudden I'm agitated at stuff that I normally wouldn't care about means nothing. Um, and then that spirals and I might, then when I do go to get into like a meditation, then my head's running. I can't get, I can't get that space of no thought where I could actually truly connect. Um, so it can happen very, very quickly for me. And because I've been like a chronic relapser, I've trained my brain to say, fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. This, I don't like the way this feels. I'm just going to go get a drink, you know? And, and I know right then that is an absolutely conscious decision without a doubt. And don't anyone try to stop me either because I like that is insane. Even though I'm being absolutely insane and I know that, and I'm not an insane person most of the time. When he's sober. When I'm sober, I'm not <laughs> insane. But but my addiction is absolutely insane. Yeah. It, it wants me dead, period. There's no doubt about it. So yeah, no, it's it, the maintenance for me is it has to be done daily. If it's not done daily, I'm screwed. I'm screwed. There, there's, there's, it has to be done daily, not only daily, but literally through the day too. If I feel myself starting to get agitated over something stupid, I better check myself. Yeah. If I, if I, you know, if I'm letting other people piss me off, that has nothing to do with me. I better look at that because it, I'm making it something to do with me and all of a sudden that has nothing to do with me or it has everything to do with me. And I just refuse to look at it that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, it's really the levels of consciousness that you can achieve and the level of awareness that you're willing to practice. Cause I do believe that your the narrative and the story in which you tell yourself can cultivate the reality in which you experience. And so not being able to take control of the environment in which you're in or the interaction in which you're experiencing to dissociate from anyone or anything that makes you feel something that is negative because you do have the power to do that, especially if you choose to engage with someone on a lower level of consciousness, maybe 
um, that is the one thing that will pull you down because you can't pull people up, but they can in turn absolutely pull you down. And so when you're in a facility and both of you can kind of share your experience on this, like what does that look like for people who have never been to rehab or maybe are listening that do have a problem and they're afraid to go? Like, what is that experience? What does that look like? So for me, this is funny because like, while he was in rehab, <clears throat> I actually found myself like jealous or envious that he was there because it's the one spot where you can completely, there's like a camaraderie with people, especially the ones that I've been in. So me and him actually met in rehab. Our first, both of our first rehabs when I was 17 and he was 27. I feel like you mentioned this on part one, Yeah, but you yeah. didn't say who, and now it's all yeah, like no, clicking for, and like coming back in my brain. I'm like, oh, this is, this is the guy that you yeah, met. This okay. is the guy. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so I met him and then another guy that I dated for five years and it was, yeah. So, but we've always like for 17 years, we've always maintained in each other's life. Like He's always, people have come in and out of my life, but he's been the one like constant for whatever reason. Um, <clears throat> I don't recommend that to anyone who's like using or drinking, like don't date, like don't, <laughs> it's not, it is not recommended. It worked out for us so far, but it, it doesn't normally well it didn't well. it didn't always yeah I mean, it didn't always I shot her by up any with means. Meth. like that is yeah. so fucking stupid yeah the fact that like we we have a two sick minds don't make a good yeah <laughs> yeah and i think that again that's like almost i'm not comparing you guys to a cult but that's the only thing that i can personally relate to it's like when you can have your mind warped by something and you're mm -hmm. surrounded by that thing you mm -hmm. believe it to be true you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And so it's very easy to buy into something that even if you genuinely don't believe that thought, yeah, you can get consumed by it yeah. in the right environment. Right. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I think on one side, it's probably safe for people to feel like, well, they know everything about me and they can't judge me and I can't judge them. Mm -hmm. So like, this would be great. But then it's like, also if indeed, again, like you are so aware that you are hardwired, like you said, my addiction wants me to die. Like you are so hardwired and, and ingrained in that where if you don't manage it, your addiction could kill you. And so it's like, that's where if you were in an environment or space that was really leaning towards that, if you didn't have the self-awareness or power to pull yourself out of it, it could be detrimental. Right. Mm -hmm. And so my curiosity for Kenzie is when he was going through this last rehabs, relapse or even previous ones, when you mm -hmm. were aiming to be sober, when you were sober, how did you manage that to not let that cause you to then spiral? It did. It did. Okay. Um, not near the extent that it could have. Um, if it was, if it was something other than alcohol, it would have been a different story. Like I would have been gone. Um, but what he, his most recent relapse was on alcohol. So that wasn't like a huge thing for me. Um, I've never, I've, I've never really had a terrible time with alcohol just because of how it makes me feel. Um, but say if it was like pills or meth or heroin or something like that, that he was relapsing on, it would have been a completely different story. And I would have lost my job and, you know, been homeless again, because he would have gotten sick of me 
because again, he would have pulled himself out and I wouldn't have been able to. Um, but with this last time, he, I saw his misery and that made me almost pull away from it more. Yeah. Cause it was like, I don't want to be anything like you. And I, I hate saying that because I love him so much. And I know, but in that time, like he was, it was rough. Like I moved down from, so I moved from Washington to Idaho to be closer to my family. At this time he was going through a divorce. Um, he got married while I was up in Washington, was married for a couple of years. Um, he was going through a divorce when I was down in, when I moved to Idaho. And so that was only like four hours away. So I'd come down and see my family and see him almost every weekend. Um, and he would be drinking, but I didn't realize I didn't and I was in an amazing spot. Like I signed up with you when I was in Idaho, like I was in an amazing spot in Idaho. I love, like, I just, I found my niche being alone and I was like, fine with it. Like I was good. (laughs) Um, so we, I'd come down and see him and he'd be drinking, but I'd only be with him a couple of days and then I'd have to go back. Um, and we'd talk every day, but I wasn't with him. Mm -hmm. Um, then the point came where like everything kind of aligned and we, he bought a house and I moved down from Idaho and moved in with him here in Utah. Um, and that's when I really saw what was going on on a daily basis. Um, in any addiction, everything progresses. Yeah. So his drinking had a natural progression to it as will any alcoholic or any addicts. You can't maintain where you're at forever. Your body's going to want more and more and more. Um, so being with him on a daily basis and seeing that wanting more and more and more, he was able to, you know, drink when he came home from work or drink at a certain time during the day. And like he said, it started becoming to where he was drinking in the morning and then he'd drink in the morning and throw up because his body was rejecting it. And then he'd have to go back to drinking again so that he wouldn't get the shakes and everything like that. Um, and just like the behavior changes, like you're not any alcoholics, not like a teddy bear. <laughs> like he was a jackass. Like I absolutely hated him. Um, a lot. <laughs> so it was just that progression, but I knew it wasn't like, I knew it wasn't him. And he'd even say, I know it wasn't me. Um, so seeing that progression made me disdain it to an extent, um, to the point where I went up to him and told him like, if this, if this doesn't stop, I'm moving out. Like I cannot be around it anymore. Like I'm done. Um, it just, yeah, it was terrible. It turned him into a person that I never, I never knew existed in him. And I had seen it in other people, but I didn't think that he was capable of becoming that. So, um, 
but he went in, so he went in and went into the 30 day program. And that's where I kind of went to circle back to where you came from originally with um, people who might question if they need to go to a program or not. Yeah. Like it's honestly, I miss it because it's literally only 30, 60, 90 days of you focusing on yourself and everyone of the like mind focusing on getting better. And just cheering each other on, you know, like in the workout world, everyone's cheering each other on. Everyone wants each other to succeed. And you're literally in a house or in a recovery group where everyone wants each other to succeed. So I miss that because I'm like, well, he was all screwed up. Now he gets to go hang out with his buddies that are in recovery. And I'm here taking care of a house by myself <laughs> that I didn't sign up for. <laughs> So I missed it. Like, I really like, well, now I need to go get fucked up so I can go into rehab and like, you know, get on that spiritual cloud again. Cause it's like the pendulum. Once it swings one way and you're so dark, it has to swing the other way to where you're so spiritual and so light and it'll even out. But I miss that swing into the light. If that makes sense into that spiritual bliss coming out of such a dark place. So there's a couple things that I, I want to say. One, I think it's, you phrased it well, um, because I know you're like, I hated him. Like I didn't recognize him. Like I like resented him in some ways. And I think the way that you phrased it towards the end was like, you didn't know that was in him. And I think that's the ugly side of addiction. When people have addictions, they are not themselves. Like they are solely focused on achieving that dopamine hit, whatever it is, that distraction. Some people it's drugs, some people it's sex, some people it's alcohol, some people it's whatever it might be um, mm -hmm. that distracts you from dealing with the shit and inner turmoil that's actually going on. Right. And I think it was powerful that you said, and like that you can acknowledge that like it wasn't him, but I also wasn't willing to lose myself to try to fix this or survive in it when he's not the person that I came here for and moved in with and connected with. Mm -hmm. But my curiosity now is speaking on like communities and such one, that's exactly why I'm building out empower you because it's like, I want everyone to have that community and connection. Cause it's so powerful. Instead of feeling like you walk into a room and you're judged, it's like, imagine going into a safe, a space that's safe and people understand you and they support you and they root for you because they're all dealing with their own shit too. And so the temptation that you experienced and the level of almost jealousy where you knew that he was doing that, was there ever a point where you were very tempted to like, well, I might just go do this because I want to, because I want to experience that. And how did you manage that or deal with that on your own? Um, so there was the thought, but it never became, I was in such a dark place when I was, before I moved to Washington and while I was in Washington for a time, that there's always that thought, but I know it can never be what I want and it's never going to end up like I want. Um, so like even, you know, little things will trigger me and I'll want to go back to feeling a certain way. Like I did in, in those five minutes of doing the drug in the beginning. Um, but I know like I've messed up my brain enough to where I know it will not feel the same. Like if I shoot meth again, I'm probably going to go into some weird psychosis and it's, it's not going to end well. Um, and that's where I kind of 
And I, I can't let my family down again. Like I don't, I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let my family down. I don't want to have to start over again. Um, I just, I can't do it. Like I'm too tired. <laughs> I'm too tired to do it again. Do I want like the connection of that? Yes. And I know I can get it, especially, you know, cause I go to AA and things like that. It's going to be a little bit harder for me to get because I'm not in such a dark place, but it, the same stance, then I can say, look at what I did coming from a neutral position. And then it's even worth it even more because I'm in the right mind and the right chemical balances to obtain that and be clear-minded about it, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I think the message and the idea is so important to consider for people that like when you truly have addiction, it's not something that you never, ever struggle with again. It's just that you have more control and more power over the decisions that you make when you can consider the potential upsides and downsides Mm -hmm. and if it's worth the cost. Yeah. And it's been, since I've done meth, it's been, I think probably six years, five or six years since I've done (coughs) meth. And so it's, the more time I have away from it, the more I don't desire it. Like there'll be instant, there'll be seconds where it's like, oh, I wish I could do this, but it's not, I'm not obsessively thinking about it anymore. Like I used to. Um, if I see something in a movie that triggers me, then I'll have a couple of hard minutes. Or if I hear someone like in an AA meeting or something talking about it, I'll have a couple of hard minutes, but the more time I have out, I don't obsess with it anymore. And I literally don't even put the connection between who I was then and who I am now. Mm. Like, I don't know who that person was. Like, it's weird that she even existed because that's not who I am. So it's very hard for me. It's like literally two separate people and it's hard to explain that, but I cannot put a connection on me and her. It's, it's weird. So for me to do that, I will, I would never do that, but I know she's only like right here and it's, you know what I mean? Like I am that person and I did do that. So I have to keep that in check. I think that's so fucking powerful for so many reasons and for a lot of people. And I know that like, you might feel like that doesn't make sense or people can't relate, but even speaking from who I was at that point in my life where I stayed in that relationship that I know was not good at all. It's, I feel so detached from who that girl was. Like, I know that I've overcome that. I have the awareness. I have more like knowledge, experience, skill, self-respect, clarity. Right. And I remember her, like, I know that she went there and she existed, Mm -hmm. but I no longer identify as her. Right. And that experience of my life no longer holds any power over me. Yeah. And that's why it's easy to talk about because you don't, associate that thing with who you are, right? It's just something that you went through at a given time that you had to overcome, which I do think that like your mess is your message. Like that is how you help people. And it's genuinely by owning your story, Mm -hmm. but not judging yourself for it, knowing that every human is imperfect and we all have demons, everyone. Um, But I think that it's really cool that you're also aware that like, that bitch is like right here in my blind spot. And so like, if I don't check myself, 
or have something to check me, I am susceptible to struggling with that battle. Um, and I think that many, many people can relate to that idea. And so Marshall, for you, I know that you talked about every addiction is progressive. And so like myself, I, I am very uh, naive to drugs and what they do and all the things. So these might be very stupid questions, but um, when you talked about like, I know I would drink and then Adderall, and then it kind of escalates from there. I do know that like, for example, there are a lot of college kids that are addicted to Adderall and I'm not sure what that experience really looks like. I took like half a pill one time and didn't sleep for two days. And I was like, I never want to do that again. Cause I'm fucking tired and can't sleep. So what does that progression look like typically? And you both can kind of share your experiences. Um, and what is the drive to continue to do? Like, what is that experience like for people that have, have not done that in, in sharing your experience and awareness of that for them? Well, my experience was, <clears throat> First of all, the drinking gives me energy. So at first, so when I first start drinking, I'll, I'll get energy. I'll want to get things done. Um, but then that soon turns on me and it takes away energy. So then I think I need to drink. Well, then I know what Adderall will do. Adderall will absolutely give me energy. And you've got to know what Adderall is. It's, it's, it's a legal meth. It's what it is. It's amphetamine. So I know if I get a hold of Adderall, I can drink more, still have energy, and get shit done that I want to get done. Well, pretty soon Adderall gets to where it's not doing its job. And then I go, I'll move into meth because meth is just the next step up. So that's just the progression of it. And, I, and I've dealt with it many times. So I know exactly what's going to happen. Like, I was really blessed this time to get myself out of it before I was already on my way to get out. I had already made the phone calls and everything. So I knew once Adderall hit, then I would erode this out for at least another year until the meth hit. Once the meth hits and I get, I go deep, dark, quick. Mm. But uh, the progression's guaranteed. Like, like anybody with an addiction, it's going to progress. And, and, and I can, I'm sitting here with you right now and it's progressing right now. I mean, even though the fact that I'm not on anything, the addiction doesn't ever stop. Yeah. So if I was to pick up right now, I'd be right back where I was the last time I used it's, 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 it's just crazy how it works. Your brain doesn't forget. So yeah, the progression is going to happen. Like it just is. That's just, that's just the honest truth about addiction. So your body gets used to the amount that you're using or you're drinking. And so in order to get the same effect that you had, um, previously you have to use more and more frequently, no matter what it is, um, pills, meth, Adderall, alcohol to get the same effects that, you know, one shot of vodka did three years ago you now have to take seven shots of vodka just to get that thing. If you used, you know, however much of meth to get that high where you could stay up for a day and be on top of the world and everything was amazing. A year later, you're shooting up bags 
to try and get that feeling again. But the trick is with meth is you never get that feeling back that you get the first time or the first three times or the first five times. You're always chasing something. And I'm sure it's, you know, same with alcohol, same with any drug. You're always chasing that first initial, this was fun. This made me more relaxed. This made me talk to people easier. And you're always chasing that feeling of not being comfortable in your own mind and in your own body. And that's essentially like, for me, that was my thing. Uh, why I like drugs and why I went to drugs and why I went to alcohol was it made me more comfortable being in my skin and other people noticing me. Um, otherwise, I just like to disappear against a wall. I don't want anyone to talk to me. I don't want anyone noticing me. I'm shy. And it, it made me all those things that I didn't have to be. So it took me out of it. Yeah. And I think for people that listen to this podcast, it's, it's quite easy to relate to even like caffeine, right? Caffeine is something that you can regulate pretty easily. And then the amount of caffeine that you need to consume to feel energized over time, like over a long enough time horizon and exposure, you have to continue to increase your caffeine until you detox from it, which totally sucks for people. Um, the other thing that's very similar is food addiction and binge eating, right? People that have binge eating disorder, they're hitting a neural circuit that is dopamine. They get the dopamine spike and every single time they're stressed, they can't just eat the same one ice cream cone. All of a sudden now they're eating the whole thing. And so it's the same type of idea where the amount of something that you have to consume or a uh, thing that you're utilizing to get that feeling, to get that high, right? You have to continue to increase the total amount because your threshold is now higher. Mm -hmm. So it's the same type of concept there. Um, but back to kind of you both coming together in connection. And so he felt guilty for you starting to use and being in that situation. And so it sounds like you went back and forth a bit and then you moved in, but like, what is the exact timeline for these different events? And I know that you mentioned dating somebody else and then he was married. So how did you guys connect on a, an intimate and like more personal level? Um, well, we've never really not had an intimate and personal. Well, <laughs> it's okay. kind of, I don't know. It's hard. So I've been married twice since, well, I was married when we met and went through a divorce right after we met. Um, then we just would stay more connected Facebook or whatever when we weren't in close proximity. Um, we would hang out whenever she was in town or whatever, then we would hang out. Yeah, if like either of us weren't in a relationship, yeah. we would be together. If we okay. were in relationships, then we would just talk. talk. Yeah. Talk on the phone, text, text message. Yeah. So if she was in a relationship, I still always knew that she was in a relationship and she, but then as soon as she'd get out of a relationship, if I was single, then we would hook up Yeah. and we would, we would see each other until one of us got back in another relationship. So then I got, I did, I get, I got married for a couple of years. We still would chat as far as text message or Facebook or whatever. And then, uh, then when I was going through that divorce, then that's when we started seeing each other again. So then that, and that, this last time was more frequent. Um, and I think that we got, we got quite a bit closer. So then it just, it made sense for her when I bought this house, because 
I don't need a whole house to myself. And her place of employment has, has a location right here close to the house. So it just made sense when we move in here and then you, know, you don't have to pay all the rent and bullshit of living on your own. And then you don't have to drive from, well, either I had to go up to Idaho or she would, I only went once, but <laughs> well, let's get this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but she drove down here quite a few times, a lot of times. Then she wouldn't have to do that driving all the time every weekend. And, and come Sunday night, she'd have to, or Sunday afternoon, she'd be all bummed and have to drive back to Idaho and have four hours of driving ahead of her. And that, that sucked ass. So it's like, yeah. just move down here. And, yeah. And we've always happens. been like, we've always been best friends. Like we are the weirdest people. Like we're, if people saw us, like people do, we're weird. Like, so it's very easy to, it's just easy. Like as long as we're both in good places, it's very easy. Cause we both have like just really stupid personalities. So I love that. <laughs> it's weird. We have the, we joke with our, or his family that like, we have the same mental illness. So it's, we're just easy to get along with, with each other. Anyone else probably hates us, but it's, like, it's very easy for us to get along with each other. So it just kind of works, but I don't know. I don't know why. And like I say, like, I wouldn't recommend it to anyone like in recovery. I would not recommend, um, seeking a relationship. Yeah, no, not at all. Like, I think the only reason that it works for us is because we both want better things for us and for each other. So it's, we aren't out, you know, getting high together and doing things like that. Like if one of us, we're not trying to talk each other into, I'm having a hard day, let's just go and use Coke once, or I'm having a hard day, let's just go to the bar once. We won't do it again, you know, tomorrow we'll start again. Like we're not trying to mind manipulate each other into getting what one of us wants at that time. Like we're holding each other accountable. And that is, that's the only thing that makes it work-ish. <laughs> so that was going to be my follow-up question is like with your experience being so connected to one another over such a long time is like, how has Marshall benefited you and how has Kenzie benefited you, Marshall? in almost um at least containing the addiction or helping you not get to such a dark place like what role do you would you say from each of your own perspectives like has the other one helped you overcome the challenges of that person being right here in your back ear so i believe that addiction and connection are opposites um now, connection, that's a very broad statement because connection can be a connection with source or higher power or spirit, whatever you want to call it, or connection can be with other people, mm -hmm. which to me is kind of the same thing. But she, she creates connection for me because when I'm left to my own devices, I don't do well. So um, this last time when I started drinking again, I was, I was by myself in an in a apartment going through, you know, shitty times as far as that's what I thought. So it's real easy for me to uh, 
seek that spiritual connection, something other than the true work. So the quick, easy, and what I know will work right now because it's always worked. I mean, let's get honest. Drugs and alcohol are fucking awesome. Like, that's why we do it. Yeah. Like, it, it, they work, period. Or we wouldn't keep going back to them. Yeah. They are the quick, easy access to changing our perspective in the moment. Yep. Maintenance, impossible with drugs and alcohol. But the true, the true connection comes with source or spirit or God or whatever you want to call it. Um, that takes some maintenance. And that isn't necessarily, or, or I should only say from my perspective, is not instant. That's something I get to and maintain once I have her. So having Kenzie around, I will second guess myself and not go to the quick, easy, nearly as quickly. It gives me someone to bounce ideas off of. Someone that I know loves me and cares for me and wants the best for me. Can she stop me? Fuck no. No one can. Mm -hmm. The only person that can stop me is me. I mean, this is an inside job. Let's just get that out. It is an inside job. If you can't do it, no one can do it. But yes, yeah, she does absolutely support me. So it, 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 and boredom is a killer. Anybody with a brain, boredom is a killer. Yeah. So that's how it works for me. She can tell you. <laughs> Kenzie? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, he's got like a better perspective of it because I'm a little further out. So, um, when I got clean, I didn't have him to lean on. I do now. And so when, when I'm struggling and things like that, like I remember when I was in Boise, he said something to me, he's like, he actually, so he made me change my phone number because all of my old contacts, all my drug contacts had my old phone number. So he made me change my phone number and he like brought it to my light. Like you're holding on to the past. Like, why are you keeping this door open yes. sort of a thing? So mm -hmm. he holds me accountable. Like he can see, cause we think so much alike that if I'm doing something, he can usually see why I'm doing it and then tell me, Hey, what are you doing? Like, and then I can actually see it. So he's like, you're holding a door open. I'm like, oh, right, I am. So I changed my number. Um, so it's things like that where if I'm acting in a way that I'm so in the middle of an action that I can't see why I'm doing it, yeah. he can see why I'm doing it and bring it to light for me and be like, hey, you're acting like a psycho bitch. Like what's going on? <laughs> Or this is what's going on, you know, something like that. Like he can, he can tell, like, I, I didn't even realize I was doing it a while ago. Like I would get super excited and almost like re-fantasize the drug world and being in the neighborhoods of where I was at and everything. Hmm. And he called me on it. And I didn't even realize that I was using that as like a dopamine hit, but mm -hmm. he could see it. And so it's, it's him being able to see what I'm in 
in that moment without me being able to see what I'm in in that moment, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. It's it's his level of awareness, self-awareness, right, is really, really high. That's why, like, initially when he started talking, I was like, wow, like this, I think, will hit a lot of people because you're so aware of the addiction that you have and how strong it is and what gets you in and how you have to force yourself out, right? And a lot of people won't do that. They'll just be like, well, I have to do these things or it's not my fault or I'm a victim to something. And it's like, they're like, I chose to do this and it was conscious, and now I know I have a problem. And if I don't stop and put myself into this container that will force me to get away from it, I will inevitably like continue on. And so I think the beautiful thing about what you said about him is he's able to do that for you too, right? Because mm -hmm. I think that you're still on your own personal development as far as really practicing awareness around your thoughts and where they lead to and what subconscious thoughts are you manifesting in real time to kind of give you that same type of experience. Whereas he can be like, dude, you're talking about this because this is your fucking shit. Like you got to stop doing that mess. Right. Yeah. And so he can kind of pull you out and give you the perspective that you don't have just yet. Um, as you continue to get more and more familiar with who you are and who you're becoming, which I think is absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Um, my curiosity, he, go ahead. He'd even do that when he was drinking, which would irritate the fuck out of me. It, I'm like, you don't have, you have no room to judge. Like you are such a fucked off mess right now. Like, don't tell me it was a what I'm doing. <laughs> it wasn't judgment. It's not judgment. It either is or isn't. You, you fight against truth. You lose hundred percent of the time. Yes. Yes, you fucking do. I love that. I'm totally stealing that quote because it's very good. He is very um, true, except he thinks he's right all the time. Mm. So. <laughs> no, no, I absolutely know I'm not. Absolutely, without a doubt, know that I'm not right all the time. <laughs> will i admit it in the moment probably not yeah <laughs> that's because you're human and likely incredibly stubborn which yeah. even though you know it's true you're like i'm not gonna say that you're right no, no. no. not no. right now <laughs> no he is he's very self-aware like any he can see he can see through things easily in other people and in himself and that helps where i get I can't see it in the moment. I can see it on the outside of it after I've gotten through the emotion or the panic or whatever it may be in that moment. I can see it on the outside of that, but in the moment, I can't. I struggle to see what the root cause of this specific emotion is that makes me want to go out and drink or, you know, anything like that. The negative thought process that spirals down to an undesirable outcome. Do you meditate? So I used to, I'm trying to get back into it, but, and that's where my jealousy for like him going into rehabs and things like that, because he gets to focus on that. So it's like, because because you know you struggle. can't meditate unless you're in rehab. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know? Well, that's like, where I was going to say, is that like, true or is yeah, that a like belief? It's not it's, allowed. Yeah, no, it totally is a belief, but it's like, I have so many other distractions. Like I have the dog, I have this, I have my phones. Like I have so many other distractions that I don't get that adult time out to completely focus on yeah, what I need to do. She hasn't made it a priority. Yeah, I was going to say yeah. you, I'll say it's yeah. not a time thing. Yeah. It's a priority thing because remember no, that fucking- this fucking thing over here, you want to talk about addiction these days? 
This, this is addiction. I do not carry it. I will leave it at random fucking places because I work from screens all day. Mm -hmm. When I have my me time, I don't like in the morning, my phone is out here. I don't even touch it. I go right to my fucking meditation station. Like I call it, that's what I call it. And like, I have to ground myself for the day and find that because I noticed, like he kind of said earlier, I know when I don't meditate, my energy is off. I'm quick to anger. Like I'm quick to be irritated by shit that doesn't matter. And it's like, those types of exercises are to me, to me with my experience, so fucking powerful for your perception of the world, for your energy for the day, for how like positive and grateful that you can be for all of the things. The world is brighter, the colors are better, the birds aren't shitting as much. Like it's just the little yeah. things that you can get, but it's very easy to let that shit fall to the wayside. Now I'm grateful yeah. I don't have an addiction outside of my work, but you know, people would say I work way too much, right? It's like Sunday and I've been working all day, but like I also know that it's by choice and that's where for me, it's just like how I show up and what I do and how creative I even am. And like mm-hmm. all of those different things, right? Cause I'm super much, I'm super much, what are words? I'm very <laughs> much like an energy and like spiritual human. Mm-hmm. And so I can realize like, dude, your energy's fucking off. Like you need to just not right now. And like, like I'll meditate in the middle of the day. If I don't meditate in the morning, I can feel that building. I'm like fucking time out, go. Like <laughs> you need to like rechannel that because you yeah. can turn all of that negative energy into something positive if yeah. you can find the catalyst to kind of pivot it into something that is productive. And so we're coaching right now and he's coaching you and I'm coaching you, but you are full of excuses because you can meditate if you oh. prioritize making it happen. Yeah, no, I totally know. And like when I was on, I've done it. I would literally, my family, I have a huge family. So if we were at like family parties and it would get too much, I would literally go into the other room and meditate to kind of like calm myself down. So, and I want to get back to there, but you're right. It is the excuses. I actually, so I'm like, Marshall's going off and he's doing all this like self-improvement stuff and he's going to come home and I'm going to be the same angry bitch as what he left (laughs) because I was, I was, Oh, it was, I know, I know, (laughs) I know. So I actually inactivated my Facebook account. So I'm having less distractions. It's like, in the, I think it was like the first day after I inactivated my Facebook account, I hit like 11,000 steps by 11 a.m. Like Weird what happens doing, with productivity right? when you aren't on that fucking addict addict handle. Like yeah. People yeah. can't even walk around outside without their phone. It's amazing to me. Yeah. Yeah. And like I mowed the lawn. I took the dog for a walk, like clean the house. It was insane all before 11 AM. Like I did so much just cause I wasn't laying in bed. It was a Saturday. I wasn't laying in bed for three hours, just aimlessly scrolling through Facebook or TikTok. So pro like, tip. Yeah. Turn on your, do not disturb. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you can set hours. So for me, my phone won't give me any notifications before noon every day because I wake up at four, I do my me time. And then I start working because I'm very creative in the morning, especially after meditation. So I'm going to focus that energy on doing that. Mm -hmm. Right. And then if I have time and I'm like, okay, I've accomplished the big task that I was going to do, I'll check my phone, but I don't have notifications going off because as soon as I see a notification, my brain is like, I have to answer now. I have to do this. I have to do that. And I'm like, no, Mm -hmm. setting a boundary so that I can fulfill myself only allows me to show up better 
for every other person I interact with. So why would I not do that? So use that tool and then you will be able to find all of those things. And the next time you tell me you don't hit your steps and be like, are you scrolling on fucking right? (laughs) Well, now I have no excuse because I actually kind of made a personal goal with him because I know if he's so one of his things that he was worried about getting out was like, how am I going to maintain like my morning routine and my nighttime routine? So if he's waking up at 530 and I'm still in bed, he's not going to want to wake up. He's not going to get out of bed to do his meditations or things like that. Like with me, yes, if, I am. No, <laughs> for maybe a couple months, but there's going to be a time where he gets complacent and wants to stay in bed. It's cold. It's dark. Like we're going to want to stay in bed. Um, for me, like I was getting up and doing cardio in the morning or going to the gym in the morning, but then he'd be in bed. I'm like, well, I don't want to get out of bed. Like I just want to stay in bed and you know, where it's warm. So our, our thing is now, and we're going to start tomorrow. Well, I'm going to start tomorrow. Once at five 30, when we wake up or his alarm goes off, I'm then getting up and doing my morning cardio so that he doesn't have a temptation to stay in bed and I have a reason to get up and do something productive. <laughs> yeah. So your accountability buddies, I think that's incredible. Right. They think it's, it's the way that you win in life is by having people around you that want to see you win and can challenge you to hold you accountable to the word, to your own word, right? Having people, because again, one of my big core values is integrity, which is why every day I get up at four, even if I don't want to, because I told myself I would. And that's how you build confidence. It's just trust because it's like, I know that I will continue to do this thing because I've proven it over and over and over and over and over again, that I can do that. And so being able to also, maybe you stay up late, maybe you don't sleep that well. And you're like, oh, I just want to hit the snooze, right? It's making it a non-negotiable promise. And if you have a counterpart, that's like, get the fuck out of bed. Cause we said, we're getting up. Like I'm not doing this alone. Right. And it's like, okay, well, yeah. we're going to make sure you do this because it's going to keep you both in alignment with becoming better and being better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's also nice that you have something outside of you that motivates you not to make an excuse. Mm-hmm. Right. If you have the other person, because I know how much you love him. It's like, I got to get up even if I don't want to today, because I promised him I would. And I know if I don't potentially, not that it would ever, that you wouldn't even get up by yourself, but potentially over a long enough time, if I continue to do that, it might drop that ball for him too. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. And I don't like, like, I want to, I think the biggest thing is I never want to feel like if I do something, then he's not going to be okay. Like he's going to have to be okay no matter what I do. Mm -hmm. Um, like he gets to be that strong person for himself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is nice to hold each other accountable and to be there for each other. Like no one, I don't think anyone's supposed to go through this life alone and go through hardships alone and, you know, just be on their own forever. Um, like we're built to need a community and to need support and to have cheerleaders, things like that. So never do I want to like rely so much on him where I'm lost without him or he relies so much on me being here that, that he's lost without me, but it does help to hold each other accountable and, and to be that support. Like, Hey, I know, I know what your addiction's like. I've been there. I get it. Like, let's talk through it. So 
you don't have to be there again. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And at the hour, that is a really, really good place to stop. So I appreciate you both. Marshall, thank you for coming on here and sharing all of that. I did want to ask before we close, just in case anybody was interested, I know that you mentioned taking a course. Do you, do you know what that course was for people that might be interested? Uh, we went through, a, it's called impact trainings, Okay. which is, uh, it's here in Utah. It's out actually right next to the prison. But it's more of a, it's not, it has nothing to do with addiction. It has everything to do with life and, and spirituality. Yeah. yeah, no, I think that's incredible. And honestly, like I was curious as well. Yeah. Um, so I'll make sure I find that and put the link in the show notes for people in case they're interested in checking it out or maybe they're from the area and they wanted to do something like that. Because I think regardless of what you believe, I do think that believing in something is really important. Mm-hmm. There is another one that we go to. It's a class um, here in Utah or in the Layton area. It's called A Course in Miracles. And I guess if you if you look up The Course in Miracles, they have different classes all throughout America. Um, and that's another really amazing spiritual. Well, it's, it's mind consciousness training. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Awesome. I will. Um definitely find that, put it in the show notes for everybody. And I just appreciate you both being so honest and sharing your story. And I know that it will help a ton of people. So with that, I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for your time today. And we'll chat soon. All right. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye.